and those of you online. Uh, you made a choice, and I believe it's going to be well worth it when you hear what God has to say to you. And you may say, well, what's he going to say to me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he's going to speak to you. I know what he has for me to share. But in the midst of everything that I'm going to share here today, uh, there's something for you. Specifically, uniquely, wonderfully, and powerfully for you. The Bible calls that, that word from God that's specific to you, the rhema word. It's, it's what the sword of the spirit is. It's something that God imparts to us that we can use it as a weapon to cut through the lies of the enemy, through the things that have entangled and ensnared us, to uh, help us to walk in, in liberty and freedom and truth. And so today, I just want to pray before we go any further, just that we would have hearing hearts. Now, our ears hear, but what we need to hear with today is our heart. What's God speaking to your heart today? Because that is the takeaway. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence here. Lord, we know that there's no place we can go, Heavenly Father, that you're not there. And uh, yet, oftentimes, we are in situations and surrounded by circumstances that we feel isolated and alone but we're never alone because father not only are you everywhere your spirit lives in us through faith in jesus christ and today we thank you for holy spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth who reminds us of your word who floods us with your love and empowers us to live this victorious life today father we thank you your word says we don't live by bread alone, but every one of us have, ha have planned either in a few hours or sometime today to eat. And so we, we, as much as we plan for that, we plan to eat of your word today to be empowered and have you impart to us what we need to be who you have for us to be and do what you have for us to do. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. God is a good God, and he's doing great things. But how many of you know that the, uh, the news, the media, all of those places don't tell you what God's doing? We hear a lot of news. Majority of it is bad. It's not, not encouraging. But we know, the Bible tells us, that, that the world that we live in, these are the last days. Because when, when it was written by uh, Matthew and, and Mark and Luke and John, when it talks about the last days and the Apostle Paul, uh, back then when they were writing, they said it was the last days. And we're seeing things line up, and it shouldn't, shouldn't cause us fear. We can see that things are getting darker. People are getting more desperate. There is a, a, an instability in the world that we live in. But the Word of God tells us that we are in this world, we're not of this world. This is not your home. As a believer in Jesus Christ, heaven is our home. And Hebrews chapter 12 tells us we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Cannot be shaken. But at the same point, God tells us that there is a time that we're living in now that he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. And it is, it is shaking a lot. And yet we don't have to be shaken. And, and it says that we can have grace by which we serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So no matter what's going on, we don't depart from what we're here to do. We're here to serve God. 
no matter what happens. That's what we're here to do. Serve God, to honor God, to, to reverence God, to be in awe of God. And we've been learning about that. We've been learning about his kingdom. And the kingdom that you as a believer in Jesus Christ are a part of is a kingdom that can't be shaken. It is rock solid. And that ought to give us a whole lot of peace and a whole lot of comfort because if we put our, our trust, our confidence, our faith in the kingdoms of this world, we're seeing kingdoms collapse. What we're seeing going on in Russia, you know, it's, it's just crazy. And yet, we don't have to be moved by that because we are a part of an eternal kingdom, a kingdom without end. And we've been learning about these things. We've been, been seeing that we've been delivered from the kingdoms and powers of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's a kingdom of life. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of hope. It's a kingdom of health and prosperity. And that's not something we have to wait until we get to heaven to experience. God wants, God has designed and desired that heaven would break out and break through here on earth. That the world around us that doesn't know Jesus would be able to see Christ in us, the Bible tells us, which is the hope of glory, but also to see the love and the joy and the peace that is part of eternity in heaven here on earth in our lives and through our lives and so as we we've been learning about this we've been studying and, and seeing that there is this new kingdom that we're a part of and there's a new and living way we're to walk in but we have to choose to make some adjustments this new kingdom is totally different than the kingdoms that we've grown up in in this world the things that we've learned of in this world. And in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 33, it tells us about how important this kingdom is. The priority of the kingdom. If, if the kingdom of God isn't a priority in our life, we're missing a lot. But look what it says. It says, seek first what? The kingdom of who? God. Now, that means if, if we're going to seek the kingdom of God, we got to let go of our kingdom. When I say our kingdom, that's us controlling, us getting what we want and going after what we want. We have to let go of that and turn to and trust in God and pursue him, his kingdom. In his kingdom, God has it his way. We know the Burger King tells us we can have it our way. But when, the, when was the last time you had it your way and it didn't work out? You don't have to think too long. And so it says, seek first the kingdom of God above what's that little word all else and live righteously righteously and he will give you everything you need now this is this is different than what we have learned in the world we've learned in the world these little sayings like if it's to be it's up to me right and and we've got to make things happen But in the kingdom of God, we need to turn to him, trust in him, let him have his way, and he will make sure what is good will happen. He will give you everything you need. Then in the uh, ERV translation, it says, what you should want most is God's kingdom 
and doing what he wants you to do, then he will give you all these other things you need. Now, I could ask today, how many of you have needs here? And, and I know, that's why I didn't ask it, because every hand would go up. We, we, we have things that we need. There are things that we want. And God's not going to deny you good things, but not everything you want is a good thing. It may seem good to us, but it may not be good in the long run because it may, may pull us away from God. You know, there are people that are praying for different jobs, and yet they get a job, and all of a sudden they're gone. Their relationship with God is not what it used to be because they have to spend so much time at this new job and overtime and all that. And I'm not, I'm not against you doing overtime, but listen, be discerning. Be aware that as we acquire more things, more things take our attention. And sometimes we need to let go of some things so that we can go after God like we never have before. But this kingdom, this kingdom we're to seek first. And as we do, all these other things will be added unto us. It doesn't make sense because we think if I go after God's kingdom, I'm not going to get what I want most. But what you and I want most may not be what we need most. Let that sink in. Because there are things that we want so badly, but it may not be what we need the most. Because what we need more than anything else is God and his kingdom. Him having his way in our lives. And this, this kingdom that we're talking about is new and different. It's, it's many times opposite of what we've been taught and learned in the world. We've learned in the world, if you're going to get something, if you're going to get a lot, what do you have to do? You have to go out and do whatever you have to do and then hold on to it. Protect it. But that's where the kingdom of God says, whatever you try to hold on to, you'll lose. Whatever you freely release, you'll gain. It's counterintuitive to us as human beings, and yet it's because we're, we're entering into a new kingdom, totally different than the kingdom of this world. And so as we, we've been learning about this kingdom, we've learned that there is a way to communicate. And then in the kingdom of God, we have direct access to the king. What kingdom in this world do you think you would ever have direct access to the king? 24-7, 365, you have an audience with the king. And what do we do with it? What are we doing with that, that relationship we have with God? Is he just our safety valve? That when we get in over our head, we turn to God and say, God, you know what? This didn't work out the way I thought it would. I need you to rescue me. And guess what? God is there. He cares and he wants to redeem situations. But we've got to own it. We've got to come to that place where we're honest and say, you know what? I did this without you. And I want to learn from this so that I do things with you and not ask for your help after. I ask for your help before so that I can walk in the way that you planned, which is a new and living way. But we found out the way to communicate is through prayer. Prayer. And yet, do you know that in this church, but this church isn't unique we have a monthly prayer service, praise and prayer. It's the least attended service of all of our services. 
one of the things that seems to be most lacking in, in many Christians' lives is their prayer life. And yet, what the Bible tells us, what Jesus tells us, his own words, in Luke chapter 19, he said, my house will be a house of prayer. Now, is this building God's house or are you? We are. We're God's house. And he said, my house will be a house of prayer. He also uh, said in the preceding chapter in Luke 18, he said men should always pray and not lose heart. Remember when Jesus was, was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying? And he came back and he found the disciples. He's, he asked some of them to come a little further and watch and pray. And he came back and, well, how did he find the disciples? Sleeping, sleeping. The Bible tells us why they slept. They slept for sorrow. But Jesus says something really powerful. He said to them, pray that you would not enter into, does anybody know what he said? Temptation. How many of you were tempted this week? I know, I know. Very obvious question. We're all tempted on a regular basis. But we succumb to the temptation because we haven't been connected in prayer. See, the Bible tells us we're sub to submit ourselves to God and then we can resist the enemy and he'll flee. For the enemy to be run out of your life, the only way that happens is not because you become so big and bold and strong. It's when we realize that he's already been defeated by one who is our Lord. And when we submit to our Lord, he's not just facing you. He's facing you and the one that's already defeated him. And that's why as we pray, we're submitting ourselves. We're joining ourselves. We're connecting. We're, we're building community. We had communion. Communion is building community with God. It's a common union. And when, when I was growing up, I remember, I, this is terrible, but I, I was in a lot of fights. I just don't know why it was. Maybe I was just ornery. But I was in a lot of fights. And my brother, who's younger than me, but he's bigger than me, started to take after me. And he got into a lot of fights. And I remember when we lived up near Rock Park, there was a kid that was uh, starting a fight with my brother. Now, at that time, my brother was smaller than me. And I was the big brother. And uh, my brother came home after this kid had beat him up. And he's crying. And, and I said, what happened? He said, well, this, this kid up at Rock Park kept running into my bike. And he eventually knocked me off my bike. And he beat me up. And I said, really? I said, let's go find him. <laughs> I've repented, so just relax. Let's go find him. So we rode our bikes up, and we got to the woods that was next to Rock Park, and we saw this group of kids in there. And, and I quickly did an evaluation, and nobody looked bigger than me, so I was okay. You know how we do. We size things up. Can I win this? I want you to know you don't have to do that anymore. It's not about you winning. 
to somebody already has won. Didn't we sing that today? You have won the victory. God has a victory he wants to give to you every day in every circumstance and situation that you would be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things. But it's not because you're, you or I are so strong or so smart or so accomplished, have so many resources, because then that just, that just causes us to rise up in pride. And, and the Bible tells us what pride does. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so if, if we're going to become confident, it shouldn't be in us, it should be in God. And, and he is the one that gives you the victory. And so I sized up these guys and I figure I've got it licked. And so I, I went over with, with my brother and I said, which one was it? He said, that one. I said, did you, did you beat up my brother? Yeah. To which I said, nobody beats up my brother but me. <laughs> and he said, well, I did, and I'll do it again. And I said, no, you won't. And that day I learned a great lesson. Don't ever hit anybody in the head with your fist. Because the skull of that person is stronger than many of the bones in your hand. And, and this was just before the end of the school year, and I broke my hand, and I thought, well, at least one good thing's gonna come out of this. I won't have to take the exams, because I can't write. My doctor heard about this and, and said, you know, I've heard that you think you're not gonna be able to write, and he stuck a pen in my cast so that I could write on the exams. But, but I was trying to fight my brother's battles. And, and I did win, but I lost. Listen, no matter what battle you win on your own, you still lose. What's happened is you have been robbed of your confidence growing in God who never loses. Because you may win this battle, but you're not going to win all of them. The only one that wins all of them is him. And it's just a false security where we think, wow, look what I did. But the only one that wins all the time and never loses is God. And that's why we need his kingdom. We need to have him have his way in our lives. We need to be connected to him in prayer so that we'll have this communion. We'll have this community with him, which also connects us with other people. And, and we've been looking at, at a prayer. It's probably the most well-known, most quoted, most prayed prayer in the world. It's over 2,000 years old. And, and we've been looking at it. It's the Lord's Prayer. And if you just put that up. We've done this before, but we've... we've said this prayer together many times in many places people say this prayer together and it's it's not wrong but jesus tells us before in matthew chapter 6 we get to the prayer that he gave as an example a model as an outline as principles of what we're supposed to pray he says don't pray in vain repetition now 
Repetition isn't necessarily vain all the time. It's when you don't understand what you're praying. And so we, we pray this, and I would imagine every one of us today can pray this prayer without even looking. Let's just do that. You can look. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now that didn't take long to pray. But I want you to know this is, this is a, a model of prayer. This is what Jesus said, pray in this manner or pray like this, not just pray these words. And we've been dissecting this and understanding this because it's important that we see what this represents. Now understand that this prayer is quick. A lot of people pray it. I mean, all sorts of people. I was amazed. I was sitting on my couch. I was watching a TV program that I enjoy greatly. It's called Alone. <laughs> no, I'm not a masochist. Uh, it, 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 was, it was called Alone because what it is is it's a show about people that survive in the wilderness. It's a competition. The winner this year, this, this season, I think wins half a million dollars. And what they do is they fly these people out to very remote locations all over the world. And they have no food. They have no shelter. They have limited supplies as far as as equipment and they drop them in a place nobody else is around this is just absolutely remote and and this season they're in northern saskatchewan which is is up near the arctic circle in canada and they have a backpack with stuff that they will allow them to take and they drop them off and it's Late fall, it's getting into winter. How many of you know that's not the time you want to go camping? Especially if you don't have much. But these people are out there to survive, so they have to, they have to build their shelter, they have to make fire, they have to gather their food, they have to endure the elements, they have to do all sorts of things. And in this, 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 uh, this season, in this area, they were going into the land of a, uh, a native people called the Cree Nation. And one of the things that they had asked that they could do, the Cree, before they let the people into their area, was they wanted to pray for the participants and bless them. And so I'm watching this TV show, and, and I'm not thinking about anything, and just kind of interested, wow, I'd hate to be them. But... This, this elder from the Cree nation starts to pray, and he prays in their language. And there are subtitles that start to go across the bottom, scroll across the bottom of the, the TV screen. Now, I'm not a fast reader. And I start to read what he's praying. And here's what the scroll said. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And the whole thing, the Lord's Prayer. These are people up in nowhere. And they're praying the Lord's Prayer. 
And, and the Spirit of God just helped me understand this prayer is everywhere. And yet, no matter how well it's known, no matter how often it's spoken and prayed, a lot of it is for nothing because people don't understand what this is about. And so we've been looking at this and learning about this. And we started last week or two weeks ago into considering how this is broken down. And, and this morning we're going to continue. Now, last week we got one word or two weeks ago we got into one word of this prayer. Anybody remember what the word was? Our. And, and what, what did we learn about how powerful that word is? That it's a word that immediately reveals community, connectedness. And yet as Americans, we are more lonely than we have ever felt. More people, almost 50% of all Americans would say, I feel lonely sometimes, or a majority of the time. I feel left out. And I will tell you that our electronic information that we get sometimes adds to that. We're finding out that with these different social media platforms, people are looking at other people's lives and feeling like their life doesn't measure up. I'm not going to ask you if you feel that way. You can't help but feel that way. Because how many of you know that when somebody puts something up on their social media platform, Facebook, whatever it is, you look at that and they're always like... You know, it's like they're having the best day of their life. How many best days of your life can you have in a row? And yet it looks like every day. It's like, wow! I wish I was this person. That's right, I don't. But there is this, there's this thing that goes on that we tend to look at that and say, oh, man, I wish my life was like that. And how many of you know they don't show you when the wheels have come off? And so all we do is we start to look across the landscape of everybody else's life and their life looks so good. My life sucks. Because it's not that good. Listen, their life isn't that good. And the only way we can have a good life, I'm talking about really good life, is through God. Through God. But it's, it's about our relationship. It's about our community, our communion, our connectedness with not only God our Father, but our brothers and sisters. If you would go to uh, to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Again, we looked at this and... and now... Thank you very much, Summer. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. And we looked at our because that's a connector. It's, it's not just about my father. It's not just about your father. Is he your father, your heavenly father? Is he my heavenly father? Yes. But what we need to realize is we're in this with God together. Together. And yet we have, we have been falling prey to such division in the body of Christ, sometimes it feels like 
he's my father. And if he was your father, you'd act different. Come on. And they're looking at us and saying, yeah, but if he was your father, you'd act different. But he is our father and we should all act different. Because we're supposed to be imitators of God. Which means we have to adjust. We have to realign. We have to let go of some things and we have to adopt some other things. So that our connectedness with God would cause our connectedness with each other to be even more life-giving. Is it life-giving to be connected with God? Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. But do you know that if our lives are really, truly connected with our Heavenly Father, it gives us life, but does God want that life just to stay with us? No. God spoke to Abraham before he cut covenant with him. He said, Abraham, he called him Abram because he hadn't changed his name. I'm going to bless you. But the blessing that I'm giving to you is going to be a blessing that you pass on to everybody else. And that's the way God wants to work. Because we know in the New Testament, the Bible says it's more blessed to what? Give than receive. But you can't give what you haven't received. So we've got to receive from God first the blessing. But that blessing isn't supposed to stay with us. In God blessing us, he is entrusting us with that blessing because we're in communion with him. We're in connection with him. He is our father. We're receiving from him. And now what we receive, we freely receive, we freely give. And so our lives being connected with God should cause everybody else that we come in contact with, whether they're family, whether they're friends, whether they're acquaintances or strangers, we should enhance and enrich their lives because our life has been enhanced and enriched by God. And so when we see this prayer, our Father, we realize we're connected. We're connected with our Father, but we're also interconnected in the body. And yet so many Christians feel so isolated, so alone, so unsupported, so uncared for. Now, I hope that's not you. But I can tell you all of us are prone to this at times. And that's where we need. We need our connection to our Heavenly Father to be so vital, so life-giving. And, and His Spirit who lives in us so real, so vibrant, that we are aware because God's aware. You know, we're sitting here, and, and if you look around, just look around at the people around you right now. Now, see, some of you just did something. You went... You were sitting there like this. And when I said look around, you quickly adjusted your, your countenance. Because we don't want anybody to see us and have us look like, you know, what they eat, sour grapes. So we, we adjust and we are masterful at presenting false fronts. 
man, nobody really knows what's going on inside us except for God. We don't many times know what's going on. And there may be somebody that's really hurting and they're just, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. And inside they're like, God, where are you? God, answer me. Be here with me. And you know what? God's tapping one of his kids who's related to that other kid that is in distress. And God's tapping his kid to say, go to your brother, go to your sister, encourage them, uphold them, strengthen them, stand with them, stand for them. Now, one of the things I've, I've, I've learned over the course of all these years is when I get attacked and I start to feel down and I feel discouraged, yes, I do. It comes because we're all tempted but temptation isn't a sin. It's when we give in to it and let it have its way. But when, when I feel that way, when those feelings start to come, how many of you know you're not what you feel? Some of you are like, what? I want you to realize we live in a world right now that is almost doing everything by what they feel. I don't feel like I'm a boy. Listen, we can't walk by what we feel. Because if you and I walk by what we feel, we are going to lose every bit of stability in our lives. Now, I'm, I'm not saying people don't feel that. They do. But if we acted on everything we felt, what would our world be like? Yeah, just look around. Because people are acting. That's why school shootings happen. Because people feel something and they're going to act on their feeling. Our feelings were given to us, our emotions were given to us by God. We feel things. God doesn't want you not to feel things. But what God wants is, God wants you to discern between what's proper and what's improper. What's truth and what's not truth? Because we can feel almost anything at any time, anywhere, and that feeling can pass. Or it can stay, and we've got to be aware we can't act on just what we feel. We've got to walk by faith. And where does faith come from? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God, because the Word of God is truth. Truth is established. It doesn't change. It brings stability. And when something doesn't line up with truth, we let go of what we feel, we let go of what somebody else said, and we hold on to truth. We're supposed to. And yet so many people today are just letting go of truth to embrace what they feel, to embrace what they hear, to embrace what they see. And this is bringing more instability to our world, and yet God wants us to be in his kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Because this world needs stability. This world needs hope. This world needs peace. This world needs unconditional love. 
This world needs joy. And the only place that truly comes from is God. And that's why we have to recognize we're in another kingdom, even though we're in this world. And we're going to live according to the kingdom's way instead of the world's way. Which means we have to get rid of what we've learned of the world and embrace what the word of God tells us. And as we do, our lives are transformed. And as our lives are transformed, people watch the transformation going on in our lives. So when it says our Father, we recognize we're interconnected and we need to be interconnected in the body of Christ. We can't be just loners. The Bible tells us the danger of that and how important two are better than one. But for us to connect, when we say our Father, that word, last week was Father's Day. I want you to know Father's Day can be a, a great celebration or can, it can bring with it great distress. Just like Mother's Day. You know, those, those two celebrations that we have are just emotionally packed. Depending on what's going on. I remember a few years ago, I was in Georgia. Debbie and I were sitting in a church on Mother's Day. I hadn't really thought about it. All of a sudden, I started crying. And I thought, what is wrong with me? And Debbie looked at me and she said, are you missing your mom? That's what it is. And as much as it's a celebration of our moms, I was missing my mom. She had gone to heaven. And I'm glad for where she is, but I miss her not being here the same way I miss my dad. I'm glad for where he is, and I've got a, this great expectation and hope and, and know a confidence that I'm going to see them again forever. And, and nothing that hindered them in this life is hindering them now. I have a painting in my office of a picture of my mom and dad when they first started dating. I never saw my mom and dad like that. They were in their prime. And that's the way they are there. And I'll be in my prime when I'm there. <laughs> but but that's, that's where, you know, there, there are a variety of things that go on on Father's Day, on Mother's Day, because of our relationship, and especially fathers. Fathers, we have an incredible responsibility. And it is weighty. Because when, when our kids call us dad, or they look at us as, that's my father. What happens is somewhere along the line when they come in contact with Christ and they become born again and God becomes their father. They're going to relate to him what they learn from you. Now, please, please understand there is none of us that are perfect. We've all made mistakes and God can redeem them. But every one of us, had a dad, whether he was present in our life or not. Some of us were abandoned by our, our, our fathers. They were not in our lives. Some of us had fathers that we wish had abandoned us because they were, no, they were abusive. 
Some of us had fathers. They were, they were okay, but, but they weren't really present. And some of us had fathers that were really good. But I want you to know, no matter what kind of father you had, they are not like your heavenly father. Because your heavenly father is perfect. Your heavenly father is good all the time. Your heavenly father is loving and he's kind and he's patient and he's merciful and he's gracious and he's generous. In James chapter 1, this gives us a quick understanding. Verse 17, it says this, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Now, right there, when I say that, some people are checking out. They're really struggling. They're wrestling with that truth because their father wasn't good. But that's where we have to let go of what we learn in this world from a human father. You can't change what's been done, but God can redeem it. When I say God can redeem it, that word redeem means rescue from loss. And only God can do that. You can't change your past, but God can take whatever has happened and work it for what? Good. The problem is we as human beings, if we try and do what we're, we're trying to do, we don't want to be like our dads, our fathers. And we have that as our reference point. I'm not going to be like him. Guess what? You're gonna. Because that's your reference point. If I say, don't think about, and I've done this before, don't think about the fire truck, that shiny red truck with that sparkling chrome and those black tires and hoses. Well, you can't do anything but think about it. It's the same thing that happens when we think, I'm not going to be like that. That's what you're thinking about. It's what we move towards. So we have to shift our focus to the one who we want to be like, our Heavenly Father, who we need to be like. And not only do we need to be like Him, others need us to be like Him. Just like Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? It wasn't just about what he does. Jesus said, the works I do, you'll do them greater. The greatest work you can do is show people the Father. Our Father. Our Father. Unlike any father you have ever met, no matter how good or how bad, your Heavenly Father is perfect. Every good and perfect gift come down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes. That's why when people say, well, you know, God put this sickness. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't put sickness on anybody. Jesus was the expressed example of the invisible Father. And when do you see Jesus going up to somebody and putting sickness on them. 
He healed them. God is a healer. And so that's where we've got to, we've got to know who our Heavenly Father is because in some Christians' lives, there is a tendency when something goes wrong or we do something bad, do we want to run to God or away from God? Be honest. We want, many times we want to run away from God because we feel like we don't deserve to be able to approach our Heavenly Father because He's perfect, He's holy. We're not. We messed up. We did what He didn't want us to do. And now, now we've got to show that we deserve Him to forgive us. We earn it. You can't earn forgiveness. It's something that's been lovingly and freely given. But we do have to recognize it and receive it. And yet we are so works-oriented that, that we tend to deal with our Heavenly Father that way. It's, it's an exchange. Well, if I do this, then you'll do this. No, God wants to give you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He, it's his good pleasure to give you his kingdom. But many times we're hesitant. We resist it because we feel unworthy. Because the enemy is, is really working us over. And so we have this idea of who God is, and yet it's not accurate. And I am, I am, I am rapidly running out of time, so we're going to have to quickly go to something. And I'm going to ask you to do something for me. If you would, sometime this week, read through this parable that Jesus gave to his disciples in, in Luke chapter 15. Now, this is in a series of parables and teachings that he's teaching, and this is one about the lost son, all right? And, and he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me so I can... So he divided them his livelihood. So you know this is the, pro, this is the parable of the prodigal son, right? And so this son is not happy with what he's got, thinks he can do better, ask for what is his, which is not. When would a son get his inheritance? After his father dies. And this is younger or older son? What was the younger son deserving as the younger son? He was deserving. The older son got a double portion. That's the way they did it, a double portion. So if you have him getting a double portion, the younger getting a single portion, that's two-thirds to one-third. And yet the younger son says, give me what I've got coming, even though you're not dead yet, I'd rather have you dead than alive. That's basically what he's telling his dad. I don't care about you, I care about what I want. And then he took what he was given... He hung around for a day and then took off. Took off to go do what he wanted to do that he was sure was going to fulfill and satisfy his life. Not unlike a lot of us at many times in our life. We get what God gives us and then we take off to do what we think is going to be the most fulfilling in our lives. And he finds out that it's not. He goes to a foreign country. 
There's a famine, hard times. All the people that came around him when he had money that he said and thought were friends, were they? No, they were just there for what they could get. Because that's what we do if we don't put God first. And all of a sudden, he finds himself in a bad place. He's hungry. He's got no money. He's got no friends. And he goes to work for somebody feeding their pigs. This was a Jewish boy. What are pigs to a Jewish boy? Unclean. Don't be around them. And he is so desperate, not only is he trying to feed the pigs, he's trying to eat what the pigs eat. And he has an aha moment. The Bible says he comes to himself. He came to recognize who he really was. He was a son. And he said, I've got to get back to my father's house because in my father's house, even the servants have enough to eat. They're treated well. What's he doing? He's realizing who his father is. His father was generous. His father had integrity. He was kind. His father was caring. And all those things he didn't notice before, that's who his father was, and he walked away from it, trying to make it on his own. And now he says, I got to get back to my father's house. But you know what? I don't deserve to be a son. So I know what I'll do. I'll go back and I'll tell my dad, I'm no longer worthy to be your son because I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And, and so just make me a servant. If I'm a servant, I'm going to have it better than I've ever had it except before I left. And so he heads home. And then in, in verse 22, I believe it is, we just skipped some summer. No, sorry. Let me, let me back up. Um, 20, there we go. In verse 20, it says he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, now, I want you to see this is a depiction of what a father is supposed to be like. How many of you know that there could have been a father waiting there was like, where have you been? Did you finally learn a lesson? You wised up? But this is what our Heavenly Father is like. It said when the sun was coming, when he was a great ways off. How many of you know when something's a great ways off, you can easily miss it? You won't see it. How did this father see this? He was looking for him. He was waiting for his son to come home. And he wasn't waiting for his son to come home to give him a beating. He was waiting for his son to come home. And when he saw him, what's it say? What, what, what emotion rose up in him when he saw his son who took his, what he valued and left? What was the emotion? What, how did he feel towards his son who took what he wanted and bolted? Is that natural? No. So something had to go on in this father. He was choosing to forgive before anybody asked for forgiveness. Just like your heavenly father has done for you and me and for all people. But his son wouldn't have known that unless he had come to him. And so he had compassion on him and then it 
caused him to run. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us. In our culture, people run all the time. You know, you, go, you can go to other countries and you can go out for a run because you want some exercise and they're like, what's he doing? Well, he's running to exercise. And they're shocked by this. We, we don't have to run to exercise. Our life is exercise. But this man ran and it was unheard of that a man that was the head of a household, especially a household that had servants and was prosperous, never ran because it was undignified. But this father didn't care what anybody else thought out there because he cared too much about his son that was still his son no matter what he did. And so he ran to his son. And then it says when he got to his son, he didn't pull up and say, so are you coming back? Are you repentant? He didn't let his son say anything. He began to hug him and kiss him. And then the son in shock finally got this out. Father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Then it goes on to say in verse 22 what he did. And it says, the father said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him and put on the ring on his, ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us be merry, for this was my son who was dead is alive again. So what's he do? He says to the servants that are now all, you know, dad runs, the head of the house runs, and the servants have no idea what's going on. They're going out to protect their master. And they are now out there in the middle of nothing with the father and this person. Because imagine what this kid looked like. He's walked all the way back, but where did he leave from? It wasn't the Hilton. It was the pig pen. Guess what he smelled like? Guess what he looked like? He was eating this stuff that the pigs ate. And he is a hot mess. And he's standing there with no glory. Man, he looks like a failure. And the father runs up to him and he hugs him and he kisses him. And the servants are like, who is this? Oh my gosh. It's the youngest son. And he immediately says, bring the best robe. Guess where the best robe was hanging in the house? That's right, in his closet, in the father's closet. He gave him his own robe, just like Jesus gave us his robe of righteousness to cover our unrighteousness. Then said, get the ring for his finger. What's that all about? It's got to have some jewelry. First thought of a guy is, I need jewelry. Right, guys? No, this ring was a special ring. It was a signet ring. It showed that he was restored to authority in the family. They would put this on things as a mode of payment. They would put it in wax, and that was their, their guarantee. He's given the authority back. And then they say, get him some sandals. 
He's just walked miles and miles and miles in his bare feet. Is he afraid the next few feet might hurt his feet? No. What did he ask his father for? What did he want to be? A servant. One of the things about servants in that time was they were barefoot. That's how you could tell. Walking through a road, you could tell this person is either very poor or a servant. And he wanted everybody to know he's nobody's servant. He's my son. And he restores him completely. I want you to know this is what your heavenly father is like. He wants to restore you. But if you and I have this reference point of our natural fathers in their inabilities, in their flaws, in their frailties, in their failures, then we're going to have a hard time relating to our Heavenly Father that is nothing like that and is all good all the time. Who's looking to restore, looking to redeem. And that's why we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't run away from God. We run to God all the time. Because only he can do the best. And it's his good pleasure to do it. And this morning as, as I was preparing for this, I really felt like God wanted to heal some hearts here today. You know, two weeks ago, we were dealing with with people that were struggling with feeling isolated, alone, disconnected, and, and asked, you know, if that's you, then, then come, let us pray for you. And I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't have any idea why, but I'm doing just what I believe God has for me to do. But I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. You at home, too. You know, through this, this message today, I could feel attention. I was aware that some of you are struggling. We talk about Father, and, and it's not a good reference point for you. And God wants you to know that that wasn't what he intended that person to do or not do. But he doesn't control anybody. And one day they're going to answer to your Heavenly Father for how they treated you. But you need to let go. You need to release. Quit blaming. And then this is father, mother, whoever in authority. Let it go. Deposit it with God. Let Him work on them. And if they're, they're no longer here on the earth, then don't let it continue to hold you in prison, prison of unforgiveness, prison of pain, prison of disappointment and damage. If you're here this morning and you, you recognize, man, my, my parents, my parents weren't, weren't what I needed, what I expected. You know, no parent is ever going to be everything you need or expect because that would take the place of God. But today, if you've been damaged and you're still struggling with it, if today when we talked about, I talked about Father, if you cringed, if you, you kind of just backed up in your heart, 
and you want healing today, I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're not alone. You are not alone. When you went through what you went through, your heavenly father that loves you so deeply was in pain for you. And he has waited for you to turn to him and cast this care upon him and trust him. The Bible says he is the healer of the brokenhearted. He redeems to the uttermost. Now I'm going to ask you to do something out of the ordinary, but I'm going to ask you if you raise your hand to stand and to come up here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't let the concern of what somebody might think of you stepping out and moving up stop you from what God has for you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. And this is, this is really courageous. Because we all know that somebody could sit out there and say, wow, it's too bad. They're just weak. I went through a lot. No, 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 no. The truth is we're all weak. We're all frailed. We have all, all experienced. If you come over this way, Bob, come on over this way to the center. And we all need God. You know, whoever's up here at any moment, if you're not, you need to be standing with them by faith, believing for their healing, for their liberation. The Bible says whom the Son is set free is free indeed. God is going to free you today. I'm not. I can't. I don't know how. But God does. And God will. God will free you today. God will heal you today. Your hearts. But one of the things that you have to do, there's a part you have to do, is you give that to him. And in giving, we forgive. Now understand, forgiving is not saying what was done was okay. It wasn't okay. But forgiving is choosing to let go of it so that it will let go of you. And so right now, I just want you to bow your heads up here. I need you to be praying, extending your faith and your hands towards these. And this morning, you up here need to choose to forgive. So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I release my father, my mother, the authority in my life that disappointed me, that damaged me, that has hindered me. I release them to you, Father. I make room now, God, for your healing, 
where there was pain. Hope where there was no hope. Peace where there was no peace. Joy where there was no joy. Today, Father, I give you the place in my heart and my life that someone else had before. You are our Father, my Father. Thank you for being my healer, healing my heart, healing my mind, healing my emotions today because you are Jehovah Rapha. Thank you, Lord. If thoughts come to remind me of what had happened, I will remind myself that I've given them to you. Thank you, Lord, for a new beginning today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Now, I want you to understand the reason why I asked you to come up here is because you know you're here. This Sunday, at this time, you gave this to God. Now, when it comes back, when those thoughts, when those reference points, when those hurts start to rise up, it's the enemy trying to remind you of something in the past, and you let them know it's in God's hands. And you, you continue to look to your heavenly Father who loves you with an everlasting love, who is there for you, who will never leave you or forsake you, who wants the best for you every day in every situation and realize he is never going to turn to you. He is always running to you. Amen? Let's praise God. You can head back to your seats. Would you all stand? It's important. It is so important in the things that we experience in these days that our first step is always towards God, that we run to God. We never run away from God because he is our father. He is the one that cares more for us than anyone and everyone else altogether, can do more for us than anyone else can, and wants you to have abundant life. Amen? I just want us all to give every person here the opportunity and those online to have God as their father. Now, he's the creator of everyone, but he becomes our father when we turn to him and give him our lives. And so, again, I would invite you to join me today in, in repenting, if you've never repented, and turning to Christ and receiving him as your Lord. And as Jesus said, our Father, our Father, our Father. He becomes your Father. So let's pray this. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son who came to this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, and was raised glorious 
and victorious and is seated with you in heaven. Today, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I have sinned. I come to you as my Savior. I ask you to come into my life, to be Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness and also your life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me this day. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Guide me. Govern me. Guard me. I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, let somebody know. If you prayed online, go to the website reslifeny.org. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want somebody to contact us, give us some contact information. God is a great God. He's doing great things. And he wants you to be a part of those great things that he's doing. So this week, realize he's with you. But he's also gone ahead of you and prepared the way. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your presence with each and every one of your children. I thank you that you walk with us every step of the way. You've empowered us with your spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Empowers and imparts to us the things we need. Guides us in the steps that you have for us. So that the world would see. Christ in us, who's the hope of glory. Lord, let our lives truly reveal you and your Father and our Father everywhere, every way, every day. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, have a great week.